Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash figure out your life. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, and Kindle. Now let's get to the show. Welcome back to Figure Out Your Life podcast, where we talk about life, where we get together, learn new things with each other, and pretty much just become better people. I am your host, Toya T, and I'm so happy to be back. I'm actually really happy to kind of just catch up with you guys. So I spoke last week, uh, or last episode, about how I quit my job. (laughs) (laughs) as a college professor or an adjunct lecturer or visiting lecturer, whatever you want to call it. I wasn't working full time and it just was not working for me anymore. So last, not this past Friday, but the Friday before that, I told you guys that I sent in my letter of resignation and pretty much told them like, I can't come back here. Like, it's just, it's just not working for me. I just can't do it. And I'd rather just not be working than to work for y'all and you know be completely out of my mind and it's been really interesting just dealing with it so one I'm gonna kind of just give you guys some like reactions that people have had so um like I think I mentioned that my mom actually read or proofread my resignation letter before I sent it. And she said it sounded good. It was professional, but it also threw in some shady digs about how valuable I am and how I have done a lot for the department and for students and for the culture and environment at the school. I've worked with various different um, programs in the school, including their freshman only program, including um, a diverse scholars program, which which was a project where they bring in students that are, uh, I wouldn't want to say mentally challenged, but they have diminished capacity. And so they really wouldn't be able to fully engage in college life, but they give them the opportunity to take, to, to experience the college, to get the college experience by, you know, auditing classes. They have their own Um, educational assistant with them and you know they get to engage in the classroom like they get to ask questions they don't have to do any homework and they don't have to take any of the exams but they get to be in the classroom with kids around the same age as them and if you know for some of them they also get to live on campus so they get to have the college experience without the pressures of the college experience like the actual test taking and stuff and so I did that program twice and um It was great, but I eventually was not asked again to do it because I pointed out to the coordinator that I was doing a lot of stuff that, you know, um, I am not being compensated properly for because I'm a part-time worker and not a full-time worker. If I was a full-time, you know, faculty member, then this is, you know, I'm being well compensated for my, you know, the extra energy and preparation that it takes to have, you know, students that are, you know, a you know, a special needs student in your classroom, even though I have an educational assistant. Um, I know in one situation, I actually had three different educational assistants for the two students, the um, diverse scholars that were in my class. And, you know, I had to point out to the, to the coordinator, like this person, one of these people, she's just, I don't know what you're paying her for, but she ain't doing her job because I've done this program before and the and the educational assistant I had beforehand was working. She was typing. I don't know what she was typing, but she was typing and she was talking to the students and keeping making sure that they didn't ask too many questions and answered any any questions that they may have so they didn't disrupt the classroom for the students that were registered in the class uh, and then matriculating at the school and, you know, like needed, you know, the course to graduate. And so, but this, the second time I did it, this, this woman was like staring at me for an hour and 50 minutes. That's how long the class is. And she would just let the students just ask all kinds of questions, even if they were already asked by another student and answered that she wouldn't like, she wouldn't stop them from asking like 15 gazillion questions, which is what she's supposed to do. So I told on her and she got fired. <laughs> I was like, shit, you know, like, what the hell? Like, I I should not be, you know, you know, doing this woman's job for her when she is being paid by, you know, the the local government. I think she was paid by the um, 
by the city of Framingham, you know, like through their public school, you know, funds to be their educational assistant, you know, through this program. And I'm like, yo, if you getting paid just to stare at me, like it's not going to happen. The only person that's going to be paid in this classroom is going to be me. Okay. Cause you got to work in here. If you, if you, if you getting paid and you ain't working, well, I'm going to have to remove you from here because that's not happening. But, uh, I was involved in that program. I, taught a lot of different things but anyway I'm just I'm rambling about the things but I pretty much pointed out like how I have been an asset anything they asked me to do I have taught I have done I have gone uh, above and beyond to make sure that the educational experience of the students are you know excellent superb and you know you know good for their their academic journey like making it something where they're learning something but then also gaining life you know life skills and life tips at the same time so I I said all that and what I got back from them was (laughs) was funny so yeah I told my mom she had proofread it I told my dad and he was like you know yeah, it's definitely time for you to go. He definitely was trying to make me at first. Um, he had suggested that I stay for the, the rest of the semester. But after I spoke to my friend Tinia, and I think I mentioned that, I realized that I had to go because last fall I wanted to quit in October. And I could see that happening again since nothing had changed at the school, like absolutely nothing. And I could only see things getting worse because they have not had actual um, things change, like the things that I thought were that needed to be changed they didn't change and I was still in a part-time position where I had no job security and not being paid appropriately for the type of work and effort and value that I bring to the department and so you know eventually he was like yeah I agree with what your mother said but let me just read you what they sent me (laughs) so I'll um I'm gonna read you guys the resignation letter that I sent to them and um you know, just for, you know, shits and giggles, just so you can see what I said. So what I said was, you know, dear the the department chair, I write to inform you that I will not be returning as a visiting lecturer in the sociology department at Framingham State, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate the uh, professional, social, and personal development opportunities. Working in the sociology department has provided me during my six-year tenure at the school. I have truly enjoyed teaching a wide variety of subject matter to the smart, hardworking, and resilient students in the sociology department, the criminology program, the diverse scholars program, freshman foundations program, and the dual enrollment program. Okay, so I put down, that was the shade there, where I put down, like, I did all of that for y'all as a part-time person who's only paid to be in the classroom. I don't get paid for office hours. I get paid to be in the classroom to uh, provide information and to, that's it. I'm not paid to talk to students. I'm not paid, what the fuck? I'm not paid to talk to students. I'm not paid to interact with them. I'm not paid for none of that stuff, but I do it because I care, but anyway. And I'll never forget them or my colleagues both inside and outside of the department, but I can no longer work at FSU on a part-time basis. In February, I expressed to the dean my interest in a full-time assistant um, professor position, a temporary um, position, because I knew that, I I mean, I was kind of just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but I knew at least I wanted to be paid like full-time. Like I wanted to have a full-time faculty member's check, but I didn't necessarily want to be tied down to the school for like eternity. I just... I just want it to be full time. I want I just want to teach and I want to be paid and I want benefits. So that's that is something that they had offered me. And I had that position for one semester because of they quote unquote said because one of the professors was on medical leave and they needed someone to cover his classes. But it really was because they had like several hate crime incidents and they needed to save face, but not the department, but the school needed to save face. And so they quickly gave uh, full time positions to me. And another um, black faculty, uh, part-time faculty member, so they can be like, well, we got three full-time black, you know, faculty members, in, you know, at in, in the social department. So, you know, we doing things. And I was like, mm-hmm. you, see, you think that I don't peep game? Trust me, I peep game. Okay. And so I said, I can no longer work there on a part-time basis. Uh, I expressed, you know, that I wanted the um, temporary assistant uh, professor position for the upcoming school year. Unfortunately, I have not been offered an FTT position and I am forced to move on. 
then I went on to say, let me know if there's anything I can do to make this transition easier. I have already ordered textbooks for the two classes I was scheduled to teach, and I am willing to share my syllabus with the new course instructor. I will also clear up my office and return my work laptop by the end of the week. And then you can contact me, you know, at my email and my home address. And I said, thank you for again for the for the years of support and encouragement. Sincerely, Dr. Latoya Taffin here. No, so that's that's all I wrote. I wrote a lot. Um, I actually used a template that I found and I will talk about it later in life hacks about how to like resign from a job. But I think it's really funny and I know it's, it was time to go and I'm kind of jumping ahead. I knew it was time to go when I received a, a newsletter from 2190, which is a online like lifestyle brand form that is a part of the Blavity brand. And one of the one of the articles that they had on there was how to resign how to write a professional resignation letter or how to resign properly. And I said, are you talking to me? <laughs> you must be talking to me. So I immediately went over there and they had tons of templates explained what you should put in there, what you shouldn't put in there, when you should send it, how you should send it. You know, if you're using a letter or if you're going to do it in person or if you're going to do it by email. And so I used that to put this together and it was very helpful. It was very good. So, but this is the responses that I got back, right? So I got, from the department chair, dear Latoya, I am saddened to learn that you will not be—you will no longer be teaching at Framingham State. It will be a loss for the students and for the department. I sincerely wish there had been an FTT position available. I have long wished to bring you on in a full-time capacity. Okay, but why haven't you? <laughs> but unfortunately, we have lost both full and part-time positions due to the drop in enrollment numbers in the sociology major. Now, let me just point out to you that whole like drop in enrollment numbers thing is their go-to like explanation for not hiring somebody or for not doing something. I know this because the um, the department chair before her, um, this person, uh, had used that same line on one of my former coworkers who shared an office with me who was not offered, she was a part-time, she was also a part-time visiting lecturer. She was not offered any classes and the um, the then department chair told me that they were trying to like get rid of her. And, you know, the coworker, the former coworker told me that they had told her that enrollment was low and that they didn't have any classes for her. And I was like, that is a motherfucking lie. Because, you know, she tried to put spit that game like, oh, you know, even though enrollment is low, I'd like to offer you like two classes. And I'm like, if enrollment is low, how the hell are you offer me two classes? But you can't give homegirl nothing. Okay, I see you. Mm-hmm. I peep game. So then she goes and says, well, please know I wish you all the best in your career going forward. Sincerely, department chair. And I said, okay, that's cute and sweet. Um, but, you know, what was I supposed to do for me? I thought they would at least, you know, give me some more praise. Give, you know, try to work something out. Nothing nothing so I guess they just didn't care uh the dean who I cc'd on that resignation letter um because I I said I you know I mentioned her in the uh the letter and she said dear Latoya I'm sorry to hear that you will be leaving us I wish that I had been able to offer you an FTT position to you but given our enrollment declines it was not possible I wish you all the best in your future endeavors does that sound familiar to you they gave me the same letter same script so you know so you already know it doesn't matter if I was like, you know, the shittiest professor there or, you know, an award winning professor like I am, <laughs> who, you know, was such a valuable um, asset to the students and the department and worked with so many different programs in the school that the president has to, you know, present to the board of trustees whenever they have their meetings and puts out in the monthly week, um, the monthly update letter to the to the university where um one of them was talking about the dual enrollment program and saying how they expanded into the boston area and i said wow you expanded into the boston area because i was teaching two uh dual enrollment classes in boston and i was the first person from the university to go into these schools uh and teaching this and i and if if i fucked up they would not be asked back and so I thought it was funny. I was like, well, you might as well just put my fucking name on there instead of just saying like we we have expanded like, you know, we've expanded thanks to Dr. Latoya Tavernier. Like, come on, give me my roses while I'm here. But I guess if they did that, they probably would have to, you know, actually compensate me 
appropriately or give me a full-time job but they weren't willing to do that but I just thought that was funny that's what they said and my mom in response said well good for them because somehow they were able to find uh, employment for a um, one of their new hires husbands so that there was a new hire and she said that she wouldn't come unless her husband got a job and they gave him an FTT they found the money in the space to do that shit uh, and so uh, uh, somehow me being there six years got me nothing like nothing so from that I I just knew it was time to go and it was funny that you know I had mentioned on my Instagram stories and if you you should definitely follow my Instagram stories because that's where you get the real tea the real unfiltered tea from me but um and that's at at Latoya L-A-T-O-Y-A-T on Instagram at Latoya T so you can you can follow me there but I had was documenting cleaning out my office and giving people like, you know, funny tips on what to do when you quit your job and you have to like, you know, clean out your office and return your stuff. And then somebody, one, one of my followers is like, well, that's funny that you get you, you quit like two, you know, a few weeks before two weeks before the school year starts. Why didn't you just quit at the end of the year? And I said, um, so that I don't kill somebody Are you, like, like, hello, why, why are you going to ask me after the fact? Like you might think that you're being funny, but you're not being funny. One, I didn't, I didn't ask for you to, you know, make that suggestion. I didn't ask, should I quit? And when should I do it? I said, I quit. <laughs> I'm packing up my shit right now. And you want to point out to me that it probably would have been better if I, in your opinion, to, to quit at the end of the year. And it's like, that was not my plan at all. So you can keep that bullshit. Um, you can definitely keep that bullshit. I said, I, I did it so that I could have peace of mind because it was time to go because I wanted to quit last October because I was miserable this past spring and was only on time for my class on campus five times during the entire semester because I did not give a fuck. My body would not, would not make me, would not allow me to get to, to class on time. And I woke up at 5.30, the class was at 8.30. It takes me an hour to get there. And somehow I never left the house on time. Because I just couldn't, I, it took a lot of energy to push me out of the, out of the house. And so, you know, I, I that's hard to answer. And I just had to like, you know, I said that and I moved on because I don't, I didn't need validation from somebody else. Like the validation I needed was pretty much from myself and from the people who would have to support me through this. So like, you know, getting support from my mom because I live in her house. If I didn't live in her house, I wouldn't give a fuck about what she had to say about me quitting but because I live in her house I live in her house rent free I wanted to make sure that she understood what I was doing that I did plan to take some time to find a new job but that I am in a position where I can do that so that's why I'm doing it because for my for myself professionally personally spiritually mentally physically I needed to go I needed to go and so that brings me to what the topic of the actual podcast is look how far in I got we're like 18 minutes in and now I'm getting to what the what the topic is. But you already know because you saw it from the title. So this week's episode is about figuring out when to stick with something and when to uh, when to quit. And I mentioned all the stuff beforehand just to give you an idea of why I wanted to talk about this. And, you know, I thought that this is the best way for me to one to give you guys some tips on when to you know when to 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 stick with something or when to quit like knowing when to quit uh and you know it fitting with what i just did so that's what it came from also again talking about the universe telling me it was time to go i also saw an article that was i think it was in the higher ed newsletter that i get but don't quote me on that it is an article this is where I'm getting the title of this podcast from. There was an article that was in the Harvard Business Review by Andre Spicer, and it was called When to Stick with Something and When to Quit. So I am going to pretty much read to you what he said and then, you know, elaborate on it. So this is really what inspired me. And I really want to kind of use this resource that he has on uh, what he's found about when you should stick with something and when you should quit. So the author Spicer starts off with a story about Vontae Davis. Now I'm not a big football player, um, football fan whatsoever, but I did remember seeing this story. It was like on my uh, Bing news stories. Yes, I use Bing as my search engine. 
Uh, and if you want to know why, just hit me up on Instagram and I'll tell you why, because I get paid for it. <laughs> um, paid for it in gift cards. Just going to point that out there. Bing Rewards. Like, this is not an ad, but it kind of is an ad for you. But, like, Bing Rewards is the business because you can get paid for doing searches through them. Uh, and I constantly, I just I just cashed in a $5 Amazon card that I earned from using Bing. Bing is my search engine, so you know, hit me up if you want more information about that. But I remember seeing this story. And so I'll just read it to you. He said, when Vontae Davis walked off the field at halftime, the Buffalo Bills were down 28 to six to the Los Angeles Chargers. But instead of huddling with his teammates, the Bills uh, cornerback quit football entirely, entirely right then and there. Later that evening, um, he announced his retirement on social media saying today on the field, really reality hit me hard and fast. I shouldn't be out there anymore. Many people were outraged, including the Bills linebacker, some Lorenzo Alexander, he said, who said it's just completely disrespectful to his teammates. Uh, but there was others who saw the value in what he did and said that um, Davis was a quote unquote goddamn working class hero. So I thought that was interesting because I remember the story mainly for the fact that he quit. He retired in the middle of the game. Like, you know, at halftime, he retired, just walked off the field, did like just went home. And I thought that was interesting just because he did that. But not even thinking about it in terms of like making decisions when to quit something when it's not working for you anymore. But just be, just the just the you know, the the idea of just walking off your job in the middle of, you know, what people would say is the game. And that's exactly what I'm doing, which what the, you know, the follower wanted to say to me, like, you're walking off in the middle of the game, which is really not because the game begins, you know, in terms of the school year for me begins in September. I didn't walk off the field. I wanted to walk off the field last, you know, fall. I wanted to walk off in October. And because I was so committed to my students and I didn't want to disrupt their educational experience, I didn't quit, even though every day I came in like, fuck this, fuck, fuck that. I fucking hate this school. Like kids, like I appreciate you, but like, I can't deal with it. Like I was dealing with that and some serious microaggressions with another um, faculty member that uh, taught in the same, you know, area that I did, like in like, like room area who was constantly disrespecting me. I don't know if it's because I was young, because I was black, because I was both. Um, but she would constantly tell me that, oh, you know, I think your information is interesting, but like my students can't hear. So can you close your door? And she's like closing my door. I'm like, bitch, I did. You ask first and then you do. You don't assume and then start closing my door. And so the first time I was like, okay, cool. The second time she just closed the door without asking. And I said, oh, hell the fuck no. So I was dealing with that. I was like, I don't know who this bitch is, who think I am. But like, about to get real ignorant here. About to be Toya T up in here. Not Dr. T. Toya T about to show up. Um, and she about to get real motherfucking petty. So um, <laughs> I was dealing with that. The students are like, it was just so disrespectful. Like I was like in the middle of teaching. And that day, I remember that I had the doors open, but I actually kept my, I lowered my teaching voice. So I was like talking like, at what I would consider conversational level, not like you're in a room full of students who are spread out, um, a room full of like 20 something, 25, 30 students spread out in a room and you need to project your voice so that they can hear you. And it's 830 in the morning. So you got to have, you need to use your outside voice, your lecture voice, your I'm standing on a stump, you know, um, trying to preach voice so that they hear you and this so that they, you know, stay awake. Because it's very easy to fall asleep when your professor is talking like this, as opposed to when your professor is talking like this. So, um, yeah, homegirl wanted to come in and close the door on me. And so I, without asking, and the kids were like, what? And I said, oh, hell no. I broke, broke completely out of my professional demeanor and just went and opened up. I had two doors in that, in that classroom. I went and opened up both doors and put a chair at the door so that if she wanted to come in and close the door again, she'd have to come and confront me and ask me if she could move the chairs and close the door, but she didn't come back. Did she? Um, but that was a part of some of the shit that I was dealing with. And I really just wanted to go. I was like, this is too much. This is too much. I get paid 
too little. I live at home with my mama. I don't have health insurance. I have to get it through the state. Like I don't have like work and work work provided health insurance. I'm paying for health insurance myself out of pocket. It was pretty fucking high because I hadn't I didn't even think to um go back and tell them like, hey, like my pay has significantly changed from the begin like the the from the spring semester to the fall semester. Like I cannot afford this you please not do this but you know I was just it was a lot to juggle um and you know that wasn't the middle of the game for me but you know this is the middle of the game for Vontae but I think it doesn't even matter it doesn't matter if you leave in the middle of the game or the end of the game it is about knowing when you need to leave if it's time for you to leave you leave if you have to leave at the first at the first kickoff or the huddle or the beginning of the school year or the beginning of the fiscal year or whenever you got to go if 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 the universe is telling you you got to go you got to go. So let me continue to read this. Let's see. Uh, so Spicer says, while unorthodox, Davis's abrupt mid-game, mid-game retirement sparked strong emotions for a variety of reasons, including a question of many of us ask, how long should I stick with something? I told you how long I stuck with that job. I stuck with that job from spring, from not spring, from September 2013 until August 2019. And for the majority of that, I was underpaid, overworked, and um, just, you know, dealing with a lot of stuff. But what kept me going was my love for teaching, my absolute love for teaching, and the convenience of the job. Like, I like the flexibility of teaching. I like the flexibility of my part-time teaching because I didn't have to go to, you know, department meetings. I didn't have any service obligations, and I could pretty much you know, fill my, my time, my time when I'm not teaching with things that I wanted to do, which included, you know, completing grad school. So I was still, you know, finishing up my dissertation while I was at the school. Uh, If you listen to the, the podcast episode about figuring out how to manage depression and anxiety during graduate school, I talk about how I was supposed to defend and finish my PhD, my dissertation and finish my PhD program in the fall of 2013, but shit did not work out because of, because of an academic fuckboy that wanted to swing his dick around and just make my life miserable. That's what it felt like. And so I was teaching while finishing up, which I was only teaching one class. So it gave me, I still had the time to you know, work on my stuff, but depression just got in the way and didn't allow me to do so. But I did end up finishing in the fall of 2014. So it did give me a chance to have extra time to kind of just deal with my stuff while also getting back into, you know, the field that I love, which is teaching, get back in a classroom, get acclimated to it because I knew that I wanted to continue that full time after I got my PhD, after I finished my PhD program. That is why I stuck through it because I just loved it so much. I was teaching different things and the students loved me. I had students following me. I just absolutely just love interacting with students, helping students, mentoring students, teaching them something new, like related to the class material and related to life. Like I just, I'm just that kind of person. (laughs) That's why I'm doing this podcast because I'm that kind of person. I just like to help the way any way that I can, if I can, if I can fit, if I don't know something, I will, I'm the kind of person that will go find out for you. Like, if you don't know something, I will go find out for you and come back to you and provide you with the information because I I like to do that for the people that I care about. Um, so let me continue. Um, but that is how, why I, why I've, I stuck around so long. Like I felt like I needed to stick through it and that eventually I would be compensated because because of my um my dedication to my teaching and to my students I actually the fall of let's say 15 it was the fall of 2015 so I had already um I had already finished my my PhD program I'd already graduated that that May of 2015 and I was teaching two new classes that 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 fall I was teaching social inequality and I was teaching um social deviance yeah social deviance and social social inequality and that it was at that moment that I decided that I just didn't give a fuck anymore (laughs) that I I finally got my degree and I was gonna stop you know playing polite and playing professor I was gonna stop playing professor and I was gonna start teaching the way I wanted to teach I was gonna start getting real I was gonna start you know really um 
you know, not spending so much time about thinking about my presentation and what words came out my mouth and making sure that everything I said was perfect and, and, you know, and intel and, and intelligent and, and eloquent and articulate. And I was just going to speak. I was just going to speak so that I spent most of the time, you know, processing information so I can get it out to my students instead of trying to process my words and the way that I, you know, the way that I was presenting myself, because I feel like that's a lot of a lot of issues that, you know, women of color, especially in academia, have to deal with this whole idea of like the stereotypical or ideal type of a professor is like an old white man. And, you know, trying to kind of copy that that model, especially since many of us who went through graduate schools at, you know, at non um, at predominantly white um, predominantly white universities that you know those 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 were our professors those were were our mentors and our advisors in graduate school and so you're kind of trying to copy their model and then you bring it in and it's like you can't do that I'm not a old white man I'm a a young black woman (laughs) and uh you know I listen you know to hip-hop I'm listening to freaking Meek Mill on the way up here I'm listening to the latest like you know ratchet you know uh, bounce whatever music um and I should share that with my students so that they can feel connected to me and so that you know they will trust me in this process and so that it's less stressful for me because it feels like we're in a friendly environment like you know me I know you I share something with you she share something with me and so that semester was really good for me and it's and a student actually enjoyed my social inequality class so much that she wrote a letter to the provost and talked about how people not only should take this class, but should take the class with me. And I got commendations not only from the provost after, cause I didn't know the student sent it. I was told after the fact, um, from the Dean, from the provost and from my department, um, my department head, department chair about how like, this is like, this is unprecedented and not many students will write the provost and talk about a professor in this way. And that really just validated for me what I was doing, which was just, you know, teaching in my own way like providing information in my own way and so that kind of helped me trying to stick through it I also got um the dean recommended that I uh, that I apply for a teach a diversity teaching fellowship and which I didn't even know was available at the school and I did and I got all the way to the to the final round right and so because I'm a part of the department like I'm getting all these emails like I know who else is in the running for it because I could see people try to make, you know, cause you have to do a teaching demonstration. It's a whole day, all day um, interview. That's what happens with academia. You come in and you talk to 15,000 people, you put on a research um, presentation and you, you do a teaching demonstration too. So I already knew who the other person was because I also worked there. I was an internal hire and they ended up just giving it to the other guy who ended up being a black man. And I was like, Oh, that's funny. Um, but you know, everyone was just like, so like, oh, you're going to get it. And when you get this position and when you do this and I felt really betrayed when I didn't get it, I felt like that was the point when I felt like I shouldn't go back. Like y'all don't fucking respect me. You, you smile on my face. And then I don't get this, this fellowship. I don't get any kind of advice on like, you know, we really liked you, but we feel like, you know, you should work on this or that. I didn't get nothing like that. I just got, we gave it to the other candidate and I was like, okay. And I happened to be on vacation with my family, I happened to be on a cruise, one of our annual um, Caribbean cruises. And I cried and I cried in, in the shower. I cried in the shower because I was so disappointed. I felt like they really raised me up and no one, you know, treated me like someone who worked with them. Like, give me the 411. You don't have to give just give me the job. But you told me to apply for this and then you didn't give it to me. And everyone's smiling in my face. And then when I returned that fall, because I didn't want to, but I ended up having to return. When I returned that fall, everyone is looking at me like, oh, you still here? Like it it was like it was like that uncomfortable, like you ran into your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend at a mutual friend's house. And you're like, oh, oh I didn't know you were going to be here. Oh, oh, hi. Um, how are things? Like I got that for an entire semester. 
I felt like an entire year. And by the second semester, I, 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 but you know, it was okay. So let me rewind back. So I was getting that whole, like, oh, you still here kind of vibe. And I was like, yeah, it's so funny that you didn't think I was qualified enough to get this diversity teaching fellowship after I got a glowing letter written to the provost and got accommodated by the provost, the dean and my department chair, but you still decided not to give this to me. Right. But then I show up in the fall and you treat me like I'm the ex-girlfriend that just won't leave. Like I'm the the ex-girlfriend that, you know, you still you still split in an apartment with because you and you two are both on the lease and you can't you can't break up. You can't leave. She can't move out. No one can move out until the lease is up because you don't want to break the lease. And so I get treated like that. And then I'm looking around like, where's so where's the guy that you thought was better qualified for this fellowship than me? And I look around, this motherfucker's not there. So that by the second semester, the spring semester, I just sent in the department chair like, okay, so I didn't see a welcome to this new person. What happened to the bib fellow, um, the fellowship recipient? And he was like, oh, he decided not to take it. And I said, oh, so he decided not to take it. Y'all lost out on money and you got me here. Like... Okay, so you didn't want me and this person didn't want you, but you didn't even have a backup plan and didn't even like you couldn't even say his face and say like, yeah, it really it was really fucked up how things turned out. And this person decided not to take it and I feel bad like nothing. And so from there, I was like, I need to get on the out plan. But again, I still stuck through it. I stuck through it. But again, it's hard to figure out like how long you should stick with something. So that's an issue that I was dealing with with this. And let me just continue what is said in the article. So then he's talking about that. There's the idea that persevering in the face of adversity can prompt learning and improvement of skills. Carol Dweck's work on growth mindsets has found that those who treat challenges and limitations as an opportunity to develop and learn tend to perform better in the long term. They persist when they face challenges and the reward is deeper in a wider skill set. So, you know, that's a part of it also. Like I also started to look at it like, well, I can, I can build on my resume. Anything you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. I told you I taught the diverse scholars program. I eventually got asked to teach the freshman only foundation, like first semester freshman, like seminar. I I did that. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll do it. Like I'm going to, you want me to teach dual enrollment? I'll do that. Like I was taking on things because I wanted to, I wanted to improve on my skills and I thought that, you know, this, if I persisted that I would eventually be rewarded so that when I come to the Dean and say, I want this and this is what I'm interested in, that they will find a way to accommodate me because I have done the work, but it didn't happen for me in that way. But for most people, that's how you view it, that you view that if you persevere, that you have a growth mindset, that you can learn from setbacks, you can learn by sticking it through and dealing with the challenges. Um, So continuing with the article, it says a final benefit of perseverance is that we don't know when our luck will turn. A recent study of the careers of nearly 29,000 artists, filmmakers and scientists found that most of them had a hot streak in their career when their work received wide acclaim. These hot streaks happened at a random time in their career. However, they weren't related to age, experience or even being more productive. They just happened. This suggests that if you're thinking about quitting, you should remember a hot streak could be just around the corner. And so the same thing happened to me is that I was persevering work, you know, taking on any challenges that they, that they put, put in front of me because I wanted to continue to grow my, my skill set so that, you know, one day that they will give me this opportunity. And one day an opportunity did come at the end of the, the semester of the, um, what was it? The fall of the the fall of 2017, I was approached by the then um, department chair and asked if I would be interested in a full-time temporary position. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) why not? They're like, oh, you know, they gave like, they gave the whole like spiel about like, you know, someone's on medical leave and they're not gonna come back and they're lacking a full-time member. So they needed somebody. And I was like, that is so cool. Let me go take it. So, um, and it didn't involve me having to compete with anybody. It was mine. Like uh, they, they, I applied, I, I, you know, it pretty much was open just for me to apply to. I got the job and for the fall of two, not fall, the spring of 2018, I was a full-time assistant professor in the department with the benefits that come with it. Now, let me, let me just tell you 
how significant this was. So, and why this for me, just like how they're talking about, like you have, like you're waiting for your luck to turn. This was like a big thing for me. So I had, so one, you go from teaching two classes, to three classes or so three classes in, in, at the university makes you considered a full-time, um, a full-time faculty member. So I was going to be teaching a third class, a new class. I'd never taught social problems before. I always wanted to teach it. I finally got to teach it. I was like, cool. I get something new to teach. Like, you know, like challenging myself. So I got this on top of that, I was getting paid significantly more. So let me break down how my pay was. So I, you know, as a part-time person, I was getting paid per course. Now compared to other, um, adjunct positions, the working for the state had its benefits that, um, we were unionized. So the part-time people were unionized. We were part of actually the, just the union that the full-time faculty has. So it was just like a faculty union. So you didn't have to negotiate your contract, uh, and the pay would go up every year as they increase the pay of the, fel- the full-time people too. So it just, you know, it goes up. So, you know, the, so the difference is that in the fall of 2017, I was getting paid maybe like, let's say $6,600 per course. So that's what, $13,000 for over, over $13,000 for the semester from September to December. Now, when they offered me that full-time temporary position, I went from that to making $13,000 in that sem- in a semester, okay, no benefits, to uh, getting paid for one semester, like $30, $32,000, um, which would be spread out from January until the end of August. And so until the next school year, until the next school year started. S- do you not see the significant like increase if I had worked for the full year I would be making like $63,000 based off of my um because the pay is based off of your your teaching experience like do you have a PhD and how many years have you taught like they that's how they they build up how much they they will pay you base pay I also got like a thousand dollar research grant where I got to like I got to buy like books I got to you know take a research trip and use my funds that way and I got benefits. Now it didn't kick in for four months. I didn't get it until April. <laughs> no, four months, three months. And then keep kick in until April first. But I finally got benefits. I didn't have to pay for through the state, and it was glorious um, to have the to have it have my have a work work provided insurance. I had retirement. Like you know, I had all I had dental. <laughs> it was all kinds of great stuff. Um, and then they said when they offered me that full time type of position, they had said that it possibly could be renewed for the fall. So I was really excited about that. But when, you know, by the time that it came like to like April, May, I was like, OK, so is this getting extended? And they were like, well, unfortunately, we can't. I was like, OK, so y'all give me the sweet stuff. You you give me this 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 reward and then you snatch it away. And showed me what it looks like on the good life, like what it looks like to actually be getting a real check, okay, a real check. And it was like devastating having to go back to being paid poor, poor course and to have to go back on state insurance and having my pay reduced significantly. I mean, I was getting some significant checks. I also taught over the summer. Um, and so I was getting my summer checks on top of my uh, my regular um, professor check and I was working I, I taught a fourth course because I wasn't sure I wanted to make sure this is when I was like really trying to make extra money because I was like I got bills I got credit cards I got student loans I got a car payment I just need to I mean even though I live at home I need to make some money to pay off things and when that opportunity happened and I was teaching four classes so I had an extra paycheck for the semester. So I was getting like, like a real good check. I think it was like 2000 something dollars every two weeks or something like that, which was, you know, for me, that was significant compared to what I was making before. Uh, and then the summer I was making like a good, like my checks were like 4,000, 5,000. I made like, I was teaching three summer courses. Um, I think I was making $15,000. That's that in that one summer section from, from May to the, beginning of July I made $15,000 just teaching summer courses with very few kids in them um, on top of still getting my my 
professor check, I was like, damn, I paid off so many things. I paid off. I, I, I got out of credit card debt. I paid off all my credit cards. I paid off a significant amount of my my undergrad student loans. And it just, you know, all of that on top, all of that, I mean, it's good to have money, but it just showed me what my life would look like if I actually got paid like a real adult. <laughs> if I actually got paid commiserate to my education and my skill. Like I have a fucking PhD. I have a, I have a master's. I have a bachelor's degree from an Ivy League school. Like I sh- like when you put those things together and you tell people it's supposed to come out to money you're supposed to be making above you know above what the um median income is for for americans you're supposed to be making you know middle class you know income i'm supposed to be making over 60 something thousand dollars a year and i was sitting there working for pennies and then when i was pushed up to full time like literally nothing really changed I was just teaching more classes I was teaching all the time but again the classes were pretty similar I was teaching two sections of social problems one section of race and one section of introduction to criminology and all those things I had taught before except for the social problems thing but I was teaching it in two different sections so you pretty much just it it helps um and even though I was like teaching Monday through Friday I was teaching like two or three classes per day like just teaching all the time I was working I felt good like even though I was exhausted I was never beat down by it I felt great about going to work because one I was getting paid appropriately uh, for my time and two like I loved what I did and so that added to me sticking around and like the luck changing thing I was like oh see things are finally moving up but when it went back down I said okay this you gave me like you dangled the fruit in front of me you let me taste the fruit and then you snatched it back and are not giving me any kind of indication that you're going to like give me that treat back and so that's from there when I realized that like okay the hot streak is over I I, what am I waiting for I'm not going to get it that's why I asked for what I asked for in the February of this year I said I want my FTT back and if I didn't get it I gotta go and I didn't get it so I had to go that's how I knew I had to go All right, let me continue with what it said. So so they found that, in fact, there's a large body of work showing that perseverance may have a harmful downside. Not giving up can mean people persist even when they have nothing to gain. In one study, people working on an online platform were giving a very boring task. The researchers found that those who said that they were very persistent continued to do the task despite the fact that it was boring and there was little to be gained in terms of monetary reward. So while it might be valuable to persist with, with worthwhile and rewarding tasks, people who don't quit often continue with worthless tasks that are both uninteresting and unrewarding, ultimately wasting their time and talents, which is exactly what my job was after they took away the full-time position from me. It was wasting my time and my talents, which was just pointing out to me. And because, uh, I was one of those people that does not quit often. I mean, that that's how you end up being someone who is, you know, what they considered like a hardworking student or a successful student. I mean, I went to um, the oldest school in the nation, which was an exam school. So I took an exam to get into that school, um, which only allows you to get in at seventh and at ninth grade. It is a college preparatory school that, you know, is a feeder for Harvard, like 20 20 students from the top of our class go to Harvard, like 20, 25 students every single year because Harvard was made for my high school. Shout out to Boston Latin School. You know, most of the kids end up going to really good private schools, like 90 something, 99 percent like college acceptance rate. Right. I went from I was at the top of my class. I was in the top 10 percent of my class of 325 students. Okay, because we had rankings. I knew exactly what my rank was. I remember when I first got ranked, I was number 30 out of 356 students. Okay, that's where I knew where I stood. I stood in a classroom. I was stood in the classroom, in the same classroom that I had with the kids that I had, um, you know, honors and AP classes with. I knew where I stood, okay? I had Harvard sending me letters saying like, hey, you should apply to Harvard, okay? This is what I'm talking about. When, you're, when you've always been a hardworking, driven student. I went, to a, I went to an Ivy League university after I went to Columbia University in the city of New York. It was my number one school. I wanted to go there since I was... 10 years old in the fifth grade 
went there. I went straight into graduate school. I got into the two fellowship programs while in undergrad that I wanted to get into to help me get into graduate school. I was selected for that too, based off of my GPA and my work. Like I'm just pointing out to you the hard work mentality that I've had that pretty much like you just don't give up. Like that's how I got to where I got to. And so when that continues and you're a person like that, that continues that into the work world where you don't get the same kind of rewards like you do like in school like you work hard you probably will get an A on that exam you work hard you're probably going to get into that you know that class that you want to get into you're probably going to get that scholarship it's not the same thing in the work world unfortunately and especially in academia like academia is like the worst place it has absolutely nothing to do with the regular promotion like you know hard work kind of you know like mindset the the the, the um what is the word for it? The kind of like work regimen or the promotion schedule, like it doesn't work within that plan. It does not. My, every time I talk to my mom about things that happen, you know, at, at my job, she's like, that would never fly where she works. She works for Blue Cross and Blue Shield. She's like, you'd have, you would have an HR situation right there. Like you, you couldn't, there's no way you could do that. Like, and you would have performance, you know, um, reviews where you would get a promotion or a bonus for doing this this and that and I was like no here they're just taking advantage of you this study shows that like people who have that kind of mindset and don't know when to quit end up hitting like end up wasting their time and their talents they also mentioned that remaining fixated on long cherished goals can also mean people ignore better alternatives an example that they give is a great example at that is that of baseball players on minor league teams, not major league, but minor league teams that these players often receive low pay and have little job security, just like me as a, you know, adjunct professor, adjunct lecturer, um, but live in hope of being spotted and making it into the major league. Only about 11% of players will make the, that transition. The other 89% are left languishing for years. If they stop playing baseball, they would be more likely to find alternative employment, which was more secure, paid more, and had a more defined career path. Does that sound familiar? I was like, shit, I don't play minor league baseball, but pretty much I was. <laughs> and, um, you know, just showing you that sometimes you just got to go. You got to quit. When it's not working, when there's little chance of there being uh, promotion, more pay, like more rewarding um, experiences, you got to start looking at the alternatives. That's when you know, when you feel like you're in a rut, it's time to, it's time to try something else and move on, not stick through it. Uh, especially if you if there is very little evidence that something great is going to come from it when you stick through it. In short, by remaining under the spell of their dream, They say in the article, they are unable to explore other options, which might be more lucrative Mm -hmm. before um, they said being unwilling to let go can lead people to being perpetually dissatisfied. And so they also pointed out that this was also nicely illustrated in a study of graduating college students searching for a job. The researchers found students who had a tendency to maximize their options and were fixated on achieving their best possible job possible did end up getting 20% more in terms of salary. However, they were generally more dissatisfied with the job that they got and they found the process of getting the job more painful An unwillingness to quit can be more than just unrewarding in most, in some situations it can become downright dangerous. This happens when people's persistence leads them to continue with, or even double down on losing courses of action. One study found that people who were particularly gritty were less likely to give up when they were failing. These same people were more likely to be willing to suffer monetary losses just so that they can continue doing a task like I was just losing money, providing my time, my energy, and my just all around brilliance and talents (laughs) to some place where I could be making so much more somewhere else, somewhere else. I'm losing money working for you guys this way. And he said another study of would-be inventors found that over half would continue with their invention even after receiving reliable advice that it was fatally flawed, sinking more money into the project in the process. The lesson, people who tend to be tenacious are also those who get trapped in losing courses of action. And so sometimes it does work to stick something through. That's how I got to become the educated, you know, amazingly knowledgeable 
Dr. Latoya Chantel Tavernier. That's how I end up going to some of the best schools in the country. That's how I attained all this knowledge. But it has also led me to living at home with my mama and six figures of student loan debt and a job that didn't pay me no benefits. <laughs> um, being unable to let go of cherished but uh, unachievable goals can also be bad for your mental and physical health. No, I already told you that I was struggling with depression and anxiety, and that happened in the first year I was teaching there. After that, I had you know gone to the doctors and gotten my stuff all figured out and therapy and all that stuff. And I didn't have that issue since then, but... Uh, it definitely played a part on my physical health. Like I've gained so much weight since I started working there. Like you want to talk about up and down weight, like so much weight, like a good, I'd like to say I gained a good 50 pounds working at that school. And a lot of it is due to emotional eating, stress eating. Like I would just be pissed off at what was going on at work. And I would just go to Chick-fil-A, <laughs> you know, and just go to Chick-fil-A and just eat out my feelings. Like y'all piss me off so much. I'm just going to get, I'm going to get Chick-fil-A. I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A and eat all of the chicken and all the Polynesian sauce and all the waffle fries, <laughs> which was not good for me. And now I'm like dealing with having to do all that emotional eating, stress eating that I was doing due to the, like my job and all the time that I spent just sitting in my car, driving all over the place for these people. Um, and again, not being properly compensated for how much transportation like how much I had to travel to get to work and to get to the different uh classes that I taught for them so all like this last semester I was teaching in I was teaching on campus only twice a week and then I was teaching four times a week at two different schools two different high schools in Boston as a part of their dual enrollment program was anybody paying for my gas no was any like that was a lot of just a lot of time spent just in my car which uh doesn't do very well when you're trying to lose weight when you spend a lot of time sitting on your ass <laughs> and then eating your feelings away so uh but it was not a, a good place for me physically like in terms of my physical health and the, the first year I worked there part of my mental health it wasn't a very good space for that either and so uh, that is something that can also be something you should think about when you have to decide, do I stick with this or do I quit? And if it starts becoming an issue for your mental and your physical health, it's time to go. People who struggle to disengage with impossible goals tend to feel more stress. Sure, uh, show more symptoms of depression, be plagued by intrusive thoughts and find it difficult to sleep. Mm. They have higher rates of eczema, headaches and digestion issues. I already had eczema as a child, so I guess I could just blame my job for any of my uh, extra sensitivity that I have now, I can't even wear like fake jewelry for too long because I break out. Um, just ending off with what it said. So being fixated on unachievable goals is also related to high levels of cortisol, which over time is linked with things like weight gain. Mm, look at what happened to me. High blood pressure, which I don't have, thank God. Negative mood and sleeping problems and higher levels of C-reactive protein, which is linked with inflammation in the body. Ooh, Okay. That's why I'd be looking bloated. <laughs> so when you ask yourself whether to stick with a task or a goal or to let it go, weigh the potential to continue learning and developing incrementally against the costs, dangers, and myopia, which can be, which can come with stubborn pers perseverance. And so I wanted to read you this whole thing and I will give you the link to it um, in the, uh, in the episode details in the notes. Um, so you can read it for yourself, but like, pretty much going through when you need to stick with something and when you need to quit pretty much if you know that you're going to actually get some benefits from it you stick you stick through it but when it starts becoming obvious that there is no reward at the end of that tunnel there is no there's no gold at the end of that rainbow there is no there is there is no place for growth that you are actually hurting yourself financially professionally um, in terms of your time your mental health your physical health then it's time to go. And that is what I ended up doing. I'm happy that I did so because I feel like it's going to be a much better applying process for me because I will be able to have the time to, to apply widely and not to be in a desperation type of like not have that desperation energy that I don't think works well. I have I, I feel like I feel so much clearer now, so much more stress free, so much more optimistic and open to new opportunities because I took this leap and decided that it was time for me to call it quits. And so 
Uh, with that, I'm going to move on to the next section. All right. For you, the listeners of Figure Out Your Life podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend that you check out Dreams from My Father by Forever President Barack Obama. I know it's an oldie, but it's definitely a goodie. I just recently finished listening to it on for through an audiobook and I absolutely loved it because he was the one narrating the story. He was reading it himself and it just felt like he was like an uncle or you know, like me, just sitting down with you just t- chatting it up and telling telling me all about his experiences. Um, growing up in America, in Indonesia, and in Hawaii, and well, Hawaii is America, <laughs> and, and um, his visits into Kenya. So I highly suggest that you check that out. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash figure out your life. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash figure out your life for your free audiobook. Now let's get back to the show. So here's where I give you some tips on how to do what we've been talking about this whole time. So these are life hacks for when you have to call it quits. So when you quit a job, this is some of the life hacks that I've put together. So one, have your savings together. (laughs) Now, I was able to do this and I was unafraid to tell my mom, who I live with for rent free, (laughs) uh, that I was quitting my job because I have six months of emergency savings. Like, I'm not going to be asking you for money, lady. I'm not going to be like, you know, mooching off of you more than I mooch off of you when I was working. (laughs) Like I have my money together. I've been saving my money. I have been putting money aside so that if God forbid anything happens, that I'd be able to take care of my bills and myself for six months. And so get your savings together so that if you've got to go, if you got to quit a job, like, oh my gosh, what is her name? from everybody hates Chris the mother and she'd be she would quit a job and be like my husband got two jobs I don't need this so you can be like I don't need this because I got an emergency savings that's what you need to have so get your savings together best way to start doing that is that when you get your paychecks from that shitty job that you fucking hate and can't wait to get away from that you should be putting away about 20 percent to 30 percent of your of your paycheck towards your your emergency savings. Now, you don't have to do more than that. You will be able to build up money just like that. Or And you can also use like different saving tools that I use. Like I use capital as a way to save money, to save money passively so I don't have to think about it. That is Q-A-P-I-T-A. A L. It is a savings, like a passive savings app. You can put in whatever parameters you want to use to um, put away money. So I have things like if I go to Burger King, like I did, <laughs> like I did over the weekend to get an impossible burger, their plant-based burger, then, you know, I get, they, they automatically take $10 out of my checking account and put it into, into a savings for me as a penalty, but it's like guilty. It's called a guilty pleasure um, guideline. And so I end up saving money that way. So this past few days I have saved $53 and 27 cents from the different guidelines that I have put in place through the capital app. And if you're interested in checking it out, I will put details in the uh, episode notes where uh, you can get a code where if you sign up um, using my code, you can get $10 to start off your savings journey so that you can get the fuck out of that shitty ass job. Number two, update your resume. Now I have a resume. I've always had an updated resume because I've been trying to get the fuck out of this job since 2014. (laughs) So update that resume. Um, LinkedIn is very useful for that. I also found that if you have the word, if you have a Microsoft office program, now when you use word, they actually, when they see that you're doing a resume, they link it to your, they, you can connect it to your LinkedIn and they will start, they will ask you if you want templates for whatever type of resume that you're trying to put together. And so I've been trying to get academic advisor jobs and it shows you like different examples of people who are academic advisors and the kind of things they put in their resume so that you have it right there as you're like as a little like box next to your your word document as you're updating your resumes uh number three 
look into new positions. So be open. Uh, I suggest LinkedIn. This is not an ad for LinkedIn, but you know, if they want to sponsor me, Hey, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn, I find is very useful now. Like I've never really used it to find a job, but they have like different, like if you're actively looking for a job, I think they have like a premium or a pro account, but I have, what I have found very useful is that they have been suggesting these different jobs that I've never really thought of that fit my skill set. So like I said, like they had suggested that I, that I apply for a job at Google. They're suggesting that I try apply for a job as a researcher at like a, um, a nonprofit or a found a research foundation, like an education foundation, research based education foundation. And I'm like, Oh, I never even thought about that. So like be open to new opportunities. If you're going to, if you're going to quit a job, you're going to quit, like go look, go look for something that, you know, something new, something that fits your skill set and will, you know, allow you to grow like this is the time to make a change like this is the time to open spread your wings and see what will work for you but again make sure you got that savings account so that you won't be worried about what jobs do do um do pop up for you like so you don't get into desperation mode like have your six six months of savings so you can be on easy street or at least be in a in a open open mindset where you won't be desperate where you'll have like you'll be relaxed and motivated and optimistic in your job search and not in a desperation mode where you'll just take anything that will pay you and then you end up in the same situation you were before where you have to quit again because you're unsatisfied or dissatisfied sorry dissatisfied number four and this is the last one um send a resignation letter at least two weeks before you're going to leave you don't have to like I mean I have a friend who recently told me that she quit her job too and she gave them no notice she just she just woke up on a Monday was like I don't want to go to work no more and just quit uh but again she also has savings so she was able to do that and I guess she has no intentions of going back into that type of work she said that she's going to focus now on starting her own nonprofit organization hey Madison I just put your business out there but if you're someone like me who wants to continue in the same field as what you just left like you might want to leave on good terms even if they treat you shitty this is the thing about it like an old relationship even when they treat you shitty you want to come out of that relationship looking clean you want to come out saying like you can't say nothing nothing bad about me nothing I want you to try try and so give them that that um give them that resignation letter actually I suggest you give them an email it just makes it cleaner I know for me it like not having to pass on something to someone's face makes it so much easier to say what you got to say. Uh, but if you're looking for suggestions on resignation letters, resignation emails, I will put details from where I got the templates from for my resignation letter. Uh, I will put down the information from that 2190 article so that you can start on that resignation letter, send it out professionally, leave cute give them the deuces and still be able to ask them for um, uh, a letter of recommendation <laughs> for your new job. <laughs> and with that, I am done, everybody. Oh, mm, 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 mm. I'm done. I know this was a kind of a long one, but not really. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I just had to get all that stuff off my chest. Like, I, I feel like a lot of you who follow me know that, um, that I was quitting and wanted to know about the process and what I was thinking and how I went about it and pretty much maybe in that same kind of mindset of thinking of leaving a job that you're not happy with but not knowing if you should just stick through it and see if things get better or if you should call it quit so I hope this is helpful for you guys again before we go I really 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 would appreciate if you guys could go and rate and review my podcast okay uh, help me get to my first 50 ratings and reviews guys on iTunes um, so that figure out your life podcast can gain more visibility and more people can discover it. Uh, just, you know, I really would really, really, really appreciate it. If you would go and tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your classmates, tell your coworkers, tell your enemies, tell anybody about this podcast. Um, we have 13 episodes down now and I would love to continue to do this. So again, share, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And we will catch up with each other next week where we will be figuring out something else. And so everyone, I hope you have a blessed day, afternoon, evening, whatever time that you are listening to this. I just want you to be blessed. And I will talk to you guys next week. 
right, guys. Bye-bye.